everybody welcome to another episode of the sean jones mba show i'm recording this on uh wednesday december 14th uh at night while uh some of the games are actually going on right now for tonight so uh, might not be fully up to date on all of the finals as i go through this podcast but uh today uh we're right at about the one third mark in, in the season thus far Um, And so today I'm going to talk about the New Orleans Pelicans and their rise in the Western Conference as they pretty handily took it to the Phoenix Suns um, two times over the past weekend. Um, Then I'm going to pivot to those Phoenix Suns and just talk about the the current struggles they've been having as they've lost five games in a row. Um, Then going to shift over to the East, talk a little bit about the Celtics, how they have really cemented themselves as... um, a favorite if not the favorite uh in the entire nba um and then i'm gonna wrap up with sort of a a pulse check uh as i just do some quick hitters across a number of different teams uh in the league that are either struggling or a little better than expected so starting off with the red hot new orleans pelicans they are coming off of an eight game win streak um i know they did lose to uh, the Jazz this week in Utah. I'm not going to put too much stake into that game. That kind of feels like a bit of a trap game, given that they just came off two very uh, big games for them, both emotionally and probably for confidence purposes as well. Uh, but they did have a two-game uh, I don't series. I don't know. The NBA these days, they do the kind of uh, two games and three nights with two teams playing each other in the same place to limit travel so they had two games uh, one on friday one on sunday both against the phoenix suns uh, the same team that they did lose to last year in the first round of the playoffs but there was quite a bit of um noise coming from these games um particularly in the first game when the pelicans were pretty handily ahead uh with under 30 seconds to go, shot clock was off, Zion Williamson gets a, a steal, goes down the court, and uh, windmill dunks the ball, and the Suns bench and coaching staff was not very happy about it. Um, Chris Paul and Jose Alvarado had their beef as well. I know that last year in the playoffs, Chris Paul was reluctant, or I don't want to say reluctant, but he kind of acted like he didn't know who Alvarado was in the press conference, and then this time around, Al- Alvarado uh, said, referred to Chris Paul as that guy. He said, if that guy's playing, I'm playing. Refused to say his name. Um, and then Bernard Ingram posting on his Instagram story just about the Suns, um, the very naughty word that I will not be um, saying on this uh, podcast. <laughs> um, and then Zion pretty much openly admitting that this game or these games meant a little bit more to them because it was the team that kicked them out of the playoffs last year. So I have no issue with a lot of this. I think this is a fun, budding rivalry. Um, would be a really fun playoff series if it did happen again this year. I honestly don't have any issue with the the dunk from Zion, but I do kind of understand where the Suns are coming from being upset as well. So both sides are understandable on my end, but I, I have no qualm with um, really how I, either team reacted to what happened. But um, yeah, the Pelicans have been on a roll, and really the number one reason has got to be Zion. Um, we have to remember, I know he's getting a lot of praise this week. He did win Player of the Week in the NBA but 
people were starting to get out on this guy. Um, I know Jaw went one pick after him. I think a lot of people would prefer to have Jaw, probably myself included right now. But um, there was a while where it wasn't really close when he was not playing. But um, people were saying that they, they should consider trading him, um, that he maybe didn't want to be there. The weight thing was going to be hard to overcome. He can't be healthy. He's a defensive liability. There's just a lot of things that people were saying about him, and I don't want to... I don't want to forget that um, because now he's getting all the love. But I have always been in on Zion. Obviously, health is always a concern for any player. But he has been extremely elite when he's played. Just in his second year, um, he averaged 27 points per game on 61%. Um, He did play 61 games, and that was in one of the shortened seasons. So I think that was like 70-some games. So he really only missed like 10 games that year. So he was quite healthy. Um, despite what people want to say that he's never had a healthy season. But 27 a game on 61% at the age of 20 is pretty unheard of. I mean, there's a dominant centers that don't shoot that well. Like uh, Embiid is pretty much a sub-50% shooter most seasons. I know Jokic hovers around the uh, 50 a little above mark as well. Um, a lot of these guys are more jump shooters than Zion is, but I think one of his strengths is that he doesn't, um, try to be something he's not. He he leans into his strengths, which are scoring at the basket, um, and he's really, really good at that. Um, so I've always thought he's been a top 20 player when healthy. Um, I like to rank players based on how I've last seen them play. If someone gets an injury, I, I'm i not going to knock them down until I see them come back and they're not the same. Clay Thompson's a good example. I don't think he's the same player as he was, so he does get knocked down. But while he was out, it's hard to move him down. Um, but right now, uh, this season, he's averaging 25, 7, and 4 um, on 61%. Once again, career high in rebounds, career high in assists, um, career high in steals, uh, career high in free throw percentage. Um, he's been making some threes as well, still only 31%. But um, obviously, like I said, he's he's barely, that's very low volume, only 0.7 attempts per game. But his defense has really improved as well. His defensive rating um the last time he played was 115. It's now 109. And you have to keep in mind that it's even better than the, the six-point jump because um, at the league as a whole, the, the on average offensive and defensive ratings are climbing each season. Every single season, we basically have like the best offense of all time. Um, and it'll probably continue that way. But the point is, he has majorly improved on that end. I think a lot of that has to do with coaching. Last time he played, he had Stan Gundy. I'm not sure he was the right guy for the job there, but um, I really like what Willie Green has done for this team. Um, But yeah, he's pretty much unguardable at this point, Um, and I really like what the Pelicans have. I think they are legit. Um, They have everything you could really want in a contender. They have star power. They have two all-stars that are either in their prime or haven't even reached their prime um, with Zion and then Brandon Ingram, who's made an all-star team and um, if they stay near the top of the West, he'll probably make it again this year, even though his numbers are a little down from where they've been in the past. Um, they're really deep with a lot of good young players, too. Trey Murphy's having a, a bit of a breakout year this year, getting more minutes, shooting close to 40% from three, uh, 12 points a game. Um, Alvarado was really just such a find for them. Um, I think he went undrafted, but he uh, has been everything you could want. Um, out of out of an undrafted player. I mean, he's basically like a probably slightly better Pat Bev at this point. Um, a little less annoying. He's annoying to play against, I'm sure, but as a fan, 
he's probably a little easier to root for. Um, I know Pat Bev is, um, can be tough to <laughs> uh, watch if, if he's not on your team. But um, they got Larry Nance, Herb Jones, even Dyson Daniels, who's a rookie, um, someone I liked coming out of the draft, um, played on the G League uh, Ignite team. But he's been playing good minutes for them recently, shooting the ball a lot better than people probably thought to this point. And then they've got guys that are like good players that can't even get minutes. I mean, Devontae Graham, they signed a few years ago to be their starting point guard. This dude can't even like get in the game. He's at 15 minutes a game, um, not playing very much, um, just because Alvarado's kind of supplanted him, and then they have uh, McCollum now. Um, Jackson Hayes, seven minutes a game. I mean, this dude, he's only 22 still, but he can't even get on the court. Kira Lewis has played six minutes all year. He was a mid-round pick. Um, and then Hayes was a top 10 pick. So um, they've got guys that probably would be playing in most teams' rotations that are third string for them. They're the 12th, 13th guy on the team. Um, that just shows how deep they are. But along with all these young guys, they've got some really good veterans. And we know what uh, McCollum has brought uh, to this team since they traded for him last year. Jonas Valanciunas has also been a really nice uh, veteran guy for them. Um, nightly double-double. He's not a star, obviously, but you know what you're getting. Better fit than Steven Adams, who was here before. They've also just got this edge to them. Um, they're having fun out there. Alvarado is just pesky as hell, super uh, not scared of anybody. And then Zion just looks like he's out there playing to prove people wrong, um, and rightfully so after he was uh, pretty much written off by a lot of uh, people. Um, but going back to Willie Green, I think he has a um, – he deserves a ton of credit in this. Um, he really impressed me as a coach in the playoffs last year, just really good adjustments on the Suns, uh, really pushed them, gave them a very hard-fought um, series in the first round. And then both CJ, we knew, was a pretty legit playoff performer from his time with the Blazers, but Brandon Ingram really proved that he is a very legit playoff performer. I mean, he, he looked like Kevin Durant out there, for being honest, um, just hitting mid-range jumper after mid-range jumper, impossible to guard just because how long he is and how high he can get up on his jump shots and then you add in zion and just makes their offense so much deadlier but um aside from their offense they are ranked fifth in offensive rating so far this year um but they're third in defensive rating which is super impressive especially when you look at guys in their lineup who don't necessarily have reputations for being great defenders that being mccollum zion brandon ingram um valentinus is fine um, but he's not a versatile defender by any means and then herb jones Obviously known as a good defensive guy, but he's missed some time this year. Um, and then even on the bench, I mean, Alvarado is definitely a good defender, but Najee Marshall uh, has played pretty well for them on that end. Larry Nance, they don't, but they don't. Nobody jumps out of uh, at you as some great defensive stopper, other than probably Herb Jones. But like I said, he has missed some time, um, which just tells me that they Willie Green's got these guys committed to playing on that end. Um, there are obviously limitations on, uh, from a personnel standpoint to some teams on the defensive end, but at the same time, a lot of it is effort and just buy-in, and it looks like these guys have it. And uh, Willie Green's just got the guys meshing much better than um, Stan Van Gundy ever could, especially from the offensive fit of Ingram and Zion. But on top of all that, they've got assets to make moves. Um, they have all their picks. They have a bunch of the Lakers picks, which are could become extremely valuable for a lot of teams. Um, and they've also just got a lot of appealing young guys, um, both in their rotation and like the guys I said before that aren't even cracking their rotation. But I don't expect them to do anything drastic this year. They might add somebody uh, minor or a good uh, role player, maybe a small upgrade um, in the starting lineup over Herb Jones or something like that. But 
even if they stand pat this season, I see no reason why they shouldn't be able to make the finals. I'm I'm not I'm not picking them to make the finals right now. Um, I just mean that they have pretty much as good of a chance as anybody. I mean, uh, they probably have the most talent of it, of any team in the West, um, including even like the Warriors, for example. I also think they have probably the best third option of any team. McCollum um, is just a phenomenal third option. He hasn't shot the ball that well this year, only 40%, which is like pretty significantly below his career averages. But um, I, I kind of think he's just still getting used to playing with Zion and Ingram and um, I, I have no like worries. He's only 31 and it's not like, and he's, he's just missing shots that he has made throughout his career. Um, but there's not a lot of people that have, uh, a guy like him as your third option. I also think last year was massive for them getting some playoff experience under their belt. Um, and they're just going to be a matchup nightmare for pretty much any team. There's really not that many guys that can guard, uh, Zion one-on-one because you need someone who's like, if you try to put a center on him, like the Suns had eight on him in the last game. It's tough because then who's going to guard Valanciunas and you're not going to play a, a, a two-center lineup in today's NBA. And Valanciunas is huge, so he you need a big body on him. Um, and then at the same time, if you try to put, like, um, Mikael Bridges, who is guarding um, normally the best player the Suns are playing, um, he's just too small and frail. He, he, like, Zion's just going to bully ball him. So he's an impossible matchup. And then you add in the depth, the coaching they have, the veteran leadership, the the young guys, the edge, and just fun that they're playing with right now. I think that they're a pretty terrifying team um, to potentially play up against in the in the playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised if they're in a Western Conference Finals. I anticipate those. I don't know if they'll get the one seed like they're at right now, but I do anticipate them getting a top four seed. So they'll probably have home court for at least most of their um, playoff matchups in the West. So. Um, yeah, they are a force to be reckoned with, and I certainly wouldn't want to run into them in the playoffs. If something's going to come back to bite them, I think it's probably going to be um, their shooting. I think their best lineup is got to have Zion in there. He's not a great shooter. Herb Jones has shot the ball very poorly, sub uh, 30% from three this year. Um, Valanciunas is not much of a shooter. Um, and then Ingram can make threes. He's shooting really well from three this year, but he's had some up and down uh, seasons from there. And then um, even McCollum's only 32% from the three this year. So, um, again, also d- we'll see if they can keep the defense up. Um, but regardless, those are, I'm nitpicking. I think that they are, well, first of all, they're set up to be as good as anyone in the West in the next three to five years. And then even for this year, I think they've got as good a chance as anyone to make the finals. So switching gears to the losing side of <laughs> the two games this weekend, that would be the Phoenix Suns who um, lost their next game as well against the Rockets. So they've now lost five straight games as well as six out of their last seven. They got to a 15-6 and six start and now sit at 16-12 and 12, um, after being 1-6 and six in the stretch. With their only win being against the Spurs, um, and... <laughs> They can't be in any one these days. But also, none of these games have been particularly close, um, or at least most of them haven't. They got completely blown out by the Mavericks in Dallas by 19. That was pretty much a blowout from the start. They lost to the Celtics at home by 27. Um, and <laughs> I've seen this game before, man. I mean, they were down by 45 at one point. This was like almost identical to Game 7 versus Dallas. Um, just the way the game script uh, played out, which is just really concerning. I mean, they're basically, (laughs) 
you can't be confident that on any given night they're not going to just lay such an egg to the point where they're going to lose by 40 on their home court. Um, and Albeit the Luka's great, the Celtics are a great team, um, but there's no excuse for that. You, you just you lose by you get your ass kicked so badly that you're down by almost fifty in a game at home on national television, um, and you pride yourself on being a or one of the best teams in the league. That is just it's concerning. Um, but they <laughs> they haven't been able to bounce back. They haven't won since then. They then lost two to the Pelicans, uh, one by eleven, uh, which was pretty close throughout, and then. Another one by five in overtime. The Suns actually played pretty well in that game, but they were undermanned without Booker um, and others. So um, before, and then they lost again to the Rockets by fourteen, which was um, more of a blowout than the the final would uh, suggest. They were down by twenty in the first half. I believe Mikhail Bridges started one for eighteen in that game, <laughs> with a lot of character for him. I mean, I, he was at fifty four percent is something for most here and this stretch has not been kind of him. he's down to 47 which is not 47 is not bad for a wing player but um god i one for 18 is hard to do so <laughs> um just looking into sort of why they've been losing so much there's a few reasons um i'm not gonna blame this on booker but he's he's not helping i'll say that recently he did I don't want to be unfair because he did tweak his ankle in the the Mavericks game. Um, They were already down by a lot, so they were going to lose that one regardless. But um, the the three games since then, including that one, he had 11 points on 4 for 13, was a minus 18. He had 17 on 6 for 17 with a minus 40 against Boston. And then 14 points on 5 for 17, another minus 18. So... In that stretch, he is averaging 14 points per game on 15 for 47, which is 32% from the field. And keep in mind, this is a guy that was averaging uh, just under 30 points on the season uh, before the stretch. I think he's down to like 27 and a half or something. So hasn't killed his average a ton. But um, yeah, he. <laughs> this is the guy that probably a week before dropped 44 uh, one game and then 50 three or 51 or something in just three quarters the next game he was on such a tear the best stretch of his career and then follows it up with one of the worst stretches um, he's had in a really long time Um, so that's one reason that they're losing and then he didn't play against the Rockets or the second game versus the Pelicans Um, but probably a bigger reason is that their defense has just been awful uh, they were top five for most of the season. Um, when they were at 15 and six, they were definitely top five. Um, but they have had the 29th best ranked uh, defense in the past two weeks. And they've fallen all the way to 13th. Like falling from five to 13 is pretty hard in, in that short amount of time. So they've just been awful on that end. I don't know if it's other teams are just shooting well. Um, if they're not giving much effort, it's probably a little bit of both. Um, but defense is something that's been really consistent for them in this two-year run that they've had. Uh, so they, they certainly need to get together on that end. But if we're being honest, I think the biggest issue with this team, and this is not just for why they're losing right now, but the issue why they haven't been able to get over the hump, and I'm not sure that they will be um, if they stay 
constructed the same way they are from a roster perspective. But they don't have a reliable second option. Chris Paul has been that guy um, over the past two years. His first year in Phoenix, he averaged 16 a game. Um, he was arguably better than Booker that year. It's pretty much a toss-up. Last year, Booker was probably pretty clearly better, but he was still at 14 a game, um, still shooting the ball well. And then this year, he's down to 10 per game. He's 37% from the field, which is just, he's never shot even close to that poorly. And then from three, I think his first year was like 40%. Last year, he did fall a bit to 32, and this year he's actually slightly below 30. So his shooting is just plummeting. His his volume's going down. He's not being as aggressive. I don't know if this is an effort for him to, to take a back seat. There was a lot of talks of that preseason. But regardless, he's not shooting well. He's not playing well. He's not the second option. He's averaging 10 points a game. Um, and Bridges and Aiton are the two guys you'd look to to step up. They've both shown a ton of flashes, but at the end of the day, Bridges is averaging 16 a game, Aiton's at 17 a game. Those are right around, right about what they've been averaging over the, the past two seasons. So they're not taking this huge leap um, like they need them to if, if Paul's going to take the back seat. So they just don't have a, a, another big score. And it, this has been an issue for the Suns for a while now. Um, although Chris Paul could be that score in the past. He still wasn't doing it consistently with only at his best 16 a game. And I've got some stats here just early in Brooker's career, he wasn't playing much as a rookie second year he had Eric Bledsoe, um, who could score, but we know he's not a a great player, not an all-star or anything like that. But since just being legal drinking age, so turning 21, um, he's 26 now, so it's a pretty big sample. It's about five years. Booker has never, not one time, had a 20-point-per-game uh, teammate, which is pretty hard to do in a five-game <laughs> or five-season span um, to never have two 20-point-per-game uh, scores unless you're just an awful team, which they have been for some of the stretch, but not for all of it, obviously. Um, but just looking at the highest-scoring seasons from a teammate he's had in that span, TJ Warren is first uh, in the 2018 season. Then second is Kelly Oubre in 2020, Aiton in 2020 as well. TJ Warren again in 2019, and then Aiton this season, <laughs> um, which is <laughs> pretty absurd. I mean, TJ Warren, I mean, this dude hasn't played basketball um, in years, basically, and he's pretty much never played a meaningful game in his life. I mean, he, he's been so injured uh, since he left the Suns, and the Suns were so bad when he was there. And then we know what Ubre is. He's certainly not a second option. Um, and it, I think we're seeing Aiton's probably not a second option either. Uh, at least not on a, a championship team. Um, and just to run through like how much this puts the Sun at, Suns at a disadvantage, um, I'm going to go through all the like semi-contenders. I don't think all these teams are, are contenders, don't get me wrong. Um, but just teams that like I could see winning a playoff round. Um, and uh, so among that group, uh, people or teams that have two 20-point-per-game scores, this is the majority of the teams, but... The Cavaliers have uh, Garland and Mitchell. Nets have Kyrie and KD. Sixers have three, I believe, in Harden, Maxi, and Embiid. Celtics have um, not only Tatum and Brown. I think I saw a stat last night. They are currently the highest point-per-game duo of any team in NBA history, which is uh, crazy. Um, the Heat have Bam and Butler. The Pelicans have Ingram and Zion. The Grizzlies have Bain and Morant. The Bucks technically... Um, well, the Bucks and Clippers both technically at this moment only have one 20-point-per-game score, but I'm going to include them because 
Um, Middleton has been a 20-point-per-game score three the last four seasons. I'm sure by the end of the season he will um, get to there. Not to mention Drew Holiday is at 19 anyway. Um, and then the Clippers, Kawhi is technically below 20 right now, but we all know what he is when he's healthy. So I'm going to include those. Um, so then that leaves four teams that don't, that are, I think are at least semi-contenders, could win a playoff series. The Mavericks, the Warriors, the Nuggets, and the Suns. But the big difference between the Suns and those three teams is that uh, their first, uh, their leading scorer or first option is <laughs> a lot better. Uh, look, Booker is great. He's uh, a perennial all-star, perennial all-NBA. Likely at this point, if the Suns continue to be a relevant team, he's going to be the main reason why, and I'm sure he will continue to make all-NBA teams. But he's not an MVP-type player, at least not currently. Um, Luka has been the favorite for MVP the last two seasons going into the year and played like it. His team just hasn't been good enough. Jokic has won back-to-back MVPs, and then Steph was the reigning finals MVP as well as a two-time MVP in the regular season. So Luka, Jokic, and Steph are all at least arguably top five players. You could put them whatever order you like if you prefer Embiid, um, throw Durant in there, Giannis, but top six at least probably for all of them. Not super debatable. Um, and Booker's top 10-ish, back end, 10, 11, 12, that range, 9 to 12, somewhere in there. And that doesn't sound like a ton, but it is. Like, it, champions these days, you pretty much have need to have a top five player on your team. And we've seen teams in the past not have a top five player. Um, but they got to have, at least if that's the case, you got to have a, another scoring threat out there. Um, I mean, we've got other teams I didn't even name, like the Blazers and Wizards. These guys have three 20-point-per-game scores, and they're named contenders. I mean, the Wizards are suck. They've lost like seven in a row, and they've got three guys. Um, and then the Blazers have three as well, and Dame's missed time. They might be better than I'm giving them credit for here. But regardless, the you can't not have that second guy and then also not have a top-five player. They're the only team in the NBA that has legitimate playoff aspirations. Um, at least hopefully to make a somewhat of a run that doesn't either have a top five player or two 20 point per game scores, which is a problem. Um, they need to fix it. Uh, Booker's going to continue to get better, but you can't just I, like, he's really good. <laughs> so you can't just blame it on him. You need to find, get him another guy. Um, and so obviously there's the whole Crowder situation. Um, I think moving him ASAP would be, um, a good move. Um, but I, I don't know what kind of deal they're going to get. I think the most likely and probably worst case is something similar to that. The reported, uh, package of like Eric Gordon and KJ Martin. I don't think that's going to do much to move the needle. Eric Gordon is an upgrade over Landry Shamit. Um, and KJ Martin would offer some good depth, but I don't think he's going to play over Tory Craig. He's still going to be third string. And then Gordon, you're not going to have out there in your closing lineups most nights anyway, because then you're going to be very undersized playing either him or Booker at the three. Then you're going to push Mikhail down to the four. Um, I think another option that's been mentioned is someone like Kyle Kuzma, uh, which he is averaging 20 points per game this year, so he technically would uh, <laughs> give them that. But uh, I do not think that he would continue to if he went to the Suns. I think that he's got much more of a green light on the Wizards than he would in the Suns system. I still think he could average somewhere from 15 to 18, but I think his scoring would probably go down and, He's just not that. He's not a this uh, second guy um, that you're looking for. 
he's not even the second guy on his own team. He's the third guy, <laughs> and they're not a good team. So their best case would be someone like uh, – or just a, a couple guys that probably aren't available right now, but someone like DeRozan, for example, if the Bulls continue to implode, he could maybe become available. He's getting older, only two years left on his deal. I think he'd be a really good fit as a second option. Um, and then maybe if the Raptors continue to struggle, someone like Siakam becomes available. I would definitely win a bank on that one. He's been in rumors in the past, but he's just continued to get better um, since those rumors have come out. So they probably want some major haul for them, um, which I don't know if the Suns would be willing to do. DeRozan's probably more gettable, maybe a pick or two, um, along with Cam Johnson and some fillers or something. I don't know. I don't know what it would take, but that would be a best case. I don't think that that's going to happen. It's I think... I think Kuzma's are realistic, someone like that. But again, I don't think that that's going to push them to a championship contender. Um, and so right now, I don't think they really are. I, I certainly think they could make the Western Conference Finals, even as currently constructed. If everyone's healthy, Cam Johnson's back, um, I think that they can make the Western Conference Finals. I think if they get lucky, they can make the finals. But they would need they would need like some breaks. Like they got two years ago, they definitely had some breaks. Kawhi got hurt. Um, Jamal Murray was out. Like, yeah, they things broke their way, but you need that, of course. Everyone needs that. Last year, Boston caught a break with Middleton being out. Like, John Morant got hurt during the Warriors series. So both the two teams in the finals last year had played series in the second round where not only their best or one of their best players was out, but um, they were both relatively healthy for those series. So it it has to happen that way. But they would definitely need that to happen to make the finals. So I, right now, I don't see them as a championship contender. Um, but I do want to put into perspective, we've just been really accustomed to the Suns winning at a high rate over the last two years, so it's very easy to freak out. Um, they made the finals two years ago. They had the best record in the league by eight games last year. And even the the, the year before that, they uh, were only one game behind the Jazz, who had the best record. So they've had by far the best uh, record as a whole the past two seasons. And they made the finals. So five losses is not something they're used to. And I'm not trying to sell it short. Five losses in a row, is it's not nothing. But there is context. Booker missed two of the games, got hurt in one of them. Chris Paul just got back. He's missed. He didn't play in all of the games they've lost as well. Cameron Payne and DeAndre Aiden got hurt against the Rockets this week. Um, Cam Johnson is still out. Crowder is still just sitting there as an unused asset. So they've got a lot of very key rotation guys that have been out during this. Not to mention, it's not exactly been the, an easy, easy schedule over the stretch playing at Dallas, playing uh, Boston, who's been on a roll, the Pelicans twice on the road. Um, and they are still fifth in net rating. They're still the four seed. They're still at 47 win pace. Um, their guys will get healthy. They'll probably make a move for Crowder. And the West is certainly still up for grabs. So we'll see. I'm not completely writing them off in terms of like they're going to plummet into the plan or anything like that. I still think they'll be a top four seed. But I think that we need to temp- temper expectations just in terms of them and their uh, true contention um, in the Western Conference and really more so just in the NBA as a whole for this season. So next, I want to talk about one of the teams that <laughs> beat those Phoenix Suns very badly, uh, up by 45 at one point, the Boston Celtics, and just how they have emerged as one of the favorites, not only in the East, but in the Eastern Conference. Um, they're currently 22-7, uh, first place in the whole league, 
They have the number one rated offense right now, the 12th rated uh, defense, and our first in net rating. So as we know, the Celtics did make the finals last year, but they had a bit of a weird season where they were 500 for half the season and then went on this really good run to finish it off. Um, and then from there, we're able to get all the way to the finals before falling short uh, to the Warriors there. And as anyone who's followed this podcast knows, I was a little low on them uh, coming into the season. I thought they'd still be a solid playoff team. I thought they would have a similar record to what they had last year, um, slightly below. But um, I certainly didn't see this coming. Uh, I will uh, gladly concede. Uh, I will say, I, <laughs> I did say during those predictions that if they come out of the gates and prove me wrong, um, then I'll, I'll concede and I'll just accept them for the, the good team that they finished last year to be. So, um, But I did have some concerns coming into the season just because uh, of the whole coaching situation. Um, Robert Williams was going to be injured to start the year. Um, they didn't have a lot of big depth with him out, and Horford is 36 now. Um, they had Marcus Smart shooting I'm always concerned about his playmaking and just decision making in general I I have never been a big smart fan and then um I liked some of their additions mainly Brogdon but then Gallinari's out for the year so they just had a lot of guys they were relying on unproven like Sam Hauser Grant Williams was good the year before but um hadn't been a huge rotation guy before then but Pretty much everything's been answered. So uh, the Robert Williams piece, I mean, he's going to be coming back soon. And they've been fine without him, obviously. So I, I, I don't think, I think they'd be just okay if he didn't come back. Um, I, I think that would certainly hurt their chances to win the championship. But uh, th- they'll be okay in the regular season without him. And uh, they actually have lost two out of three and uh, three out of seven or something, which, I mean, going four and three is not necessarily like some bad stretch. For some teams, that's a good stretch. Uh, but given that they're 22 and seven, I mean, that's like almost half their losses right there in the last seven games. Uh, but Horford's been out. Um, and so that was one of my concerns is that they're relying on a lot of unproven big guys. I mean, Blake Griffin has been starting for them. Um, he wasn't even on the team when I made these predictions before, I think. But Hauser's <laughs> uh, played very well. But I think Joe Missoula has been about as good as you could possibly have hoped for. Um, he brings a little bit of uh, a different style than Yudoka. I think Yudoka was always defense first, um, which was great. They were uh, the best defense in the league last year, but... It did leave uh, some to be desired on the offensive end. Uh, they were bad on offense. They were kind of middle of the pack in the league, um, slightly above average. But in the playoffs, they were certainly exposed at times, um, especially when Tatum was off. They didn't have a lot of other guys that they could go to. And it was a struggle to watch them offensively at times. But this year has been very different um, for a number of reasons. Um, one, just their style of play. They're second in the league in three-point attempts and second in the league um, in three-point percentage, uh, whereas last year they were ninth in attempts and um, 14th in percentage. So they were taking less threes, making it a, them at a lower clip. Um, 
And I'll tell you, probably the best way to win games in the NBA is to take a lot of three-pointers and to make a lot of those three-pointers, and that's exactly what they've been doing. So it's no surprise uh, that they have the record they have based on um, those stats right there. Um, While they have dipped down a little bit on defense uh, with the kind of new playing style, um, they're 12th in defense, um, whereas they were... Uh, top of the league last year so it's not that they're bad been bad on defense they didn't start great they were definitely towards the bottom of the league to start but they've been improving getting better and better and there's no question that they have the ability to uh, defend at a high level so I don't think that's really been a concern but uh, it's been extremely uh, promising to see their offense just evolve and then back to their offense I mean the one thing that (laughs) I don't think anyone could have seen coming to this extent And the main reason their offense has been so good and the main reason they've been so good is just because Jason Tatum. I mean, this guy has been phenomenal. Uh, He was really good last year, but as you might remember, he got off to a really slow start. He was low 40s percentage-wise to start the year. Um, He only shot 35% from three last year, which is pretty low for him. He's normally been in the high 30s and even above 40 a few times. But he's above 30 points per game this year. Uh, which is up about three points, a little over three, three and a half from last year. Um, Also, he is just a phenomenal defender now. Um, One of the best two-way players in the league. I know that gets thrown around a lot, but he he had made great strides last year uh, on that end as well. But just playing such a complete game, and to me, he is just without a doubt the MVP of the league right now. Like I said, he's above 30 points per game. He's 47% from the field, which is the highest of his career since his rookie season. Um, But he's taking double the amount of shots that he was back then, so it's a little more impressive. Uh, His three-point shooting is still 36, which is like could be better. Um, But he's up at four assists, eight rebounds, great defense, over 30 a game. They've got the best record in the NBA. And when you watch this guy, I mean, he is just – on a different level from where he was last year, just from a consistency standpoint. he's He was always great, but he would sprinkle in those little 4-for-17 games, 3-for-17. Um, I, I think that, <laughs> for some reason, I specifically remember he uh, had multiple 3-for-17 games, uh, like on the dot, uh, exact shooting. But, yeah, he, he's pretty much not only gotten rid of most of those, um, the, the telltale of like a, a player becoming really good and getting better is like when you're having a bad game, it's not as bad. Um, and then your good games are even better. So this year's is, is he's exemplifying that even when he's not having great shooting nights, he's affecting the game in other ways. He's rebounding the ball. He's becoming a better playmaker for others. He's still a great defender. Um, and you know, he's going to hit the shot when it matters. Um, just the other night against the Lakers, um, not I don't mean to say he was having a bad game. He had a phenomenal game this game, but <laughs> um, Celtics were down thirteen with like four minutes to go. They looked dead in the water um, after they blew a twenty point lead. Uh, it was a crazy game, but he the Anthony Davis misses two free throws to go at four. Um, Celtics get the ball uh, with like twenty five on the clock. Um, Tatum goes right down. Just so cool, calm, collected, gets right to his spot, uh, turns around, fades right over LeBron, perfect swish. You just knew it was going in. And that, that's the kind of season he's having is you just know those shots are going to go in. 
And on top of that, he's had uh, four 40-point games at this point, 14 30-point games. That's in, in, including the 40-point games. Um, but he's only played 28, so <laughs> half of his games he's had 30. So to me, he's been the clear-cut MVP of the league. He fits the bill. He plays on both sides. He's uh, shooting the ball uh, from the field more efficiently than he ever has. He's <laughs> at the highest volume scoring he's ever been. He's got his team, the best it's ever been. Um, and he is just, teams are fearing him. He's a true superstar at this point. I think last year he really cemented himself as a top 10 guy, but it was the back end. And this year I think he's really flirting with that top five. Um, I think you could put him above guys like uh, Embiid or Jokic even, depending on uh, what your preference is for players. Uh, I don't think he's quite at the Giannis Luka stage, but um, I mean, the only other wing I'd say is probably better is Durant, and even that, you could argue it. I wouldn't totally fight you on it. I think it's um, give it a year, and I'll probably agree with you, but um, he, yeah, he, he's been absurd. And I mean, not only is has he been great, the whole team is just kind of playing out of their minds, man. I mean, they're just... They've been ridiculous. <laughs> the shooting numbers on their role players, Horford, 47% from three. Grant Williams, 47% from three. Derek White, 41% from three. Malcolm Brogdon, 48% from three. Sam Hauser, 43% from three. Even Blake Griffin, 35, which is better than he's been most of his career. Um, it's funny, the only two that aren't shooting as well from three that they normally do is Tatum at 36 and Brown at 34, but they've been phenomenal from the field in general. I mean, Jalen Brown is above 50% from the field, which is his career best. He's up to 27%, or sorry, 27 points per game, which, as I mentioned earlier, is actually the highest duo for a um, highest scoring points per game for a duo in NBA history, which is just absurd. I know scoring's up, but I, I never would have guessed that uh, coming into the season. Um, and he's he's solidified himself as uh, just a super solid number two, like probably – I would say arguably the best. I, I I know some people are saying they're the best duo. Um, it really depends what you mean by duo. Are you judging it on like how good the first player is as well, like on average, or like how good the second player is? Like I think Paul George is better than him, but James is better than Kawhi, so it's just like hard to measure um, stuff like that. But regardless, he's as good of a two as as you could really hope for in the league right now. And then with the rest of these guys shooting like this, it's no wonder that they've had so much success this season. Um, I do, I would like be a little worried that there's probably going to be some shooting regression. Do I think that they're going to have, uh, what, one, two, three, four, five legit rotation guys that finish well above 40% from three? Probably not. Um, I, I doubt that's ever been done. So we'll see. I think some of those guys are legit good shooters. Brogdon's been a good shooter throughout his career. He could, he's on pace to get close to 40, 50, 40, 90. I mean, <laughs> literally Grant Williams could get 50, 40, 90, which is ridiculous. But, um, so I think there will be some regression. Don't get me wrong. But I do think the Tatum piece is definitely for real. I think that their cast, supporting cast, cast is better. I think Derek White having a full season fits in a little better this year. Brogdon has been a phenomenal pickup. I was very, I've been very high on him for a while. Um, he's just a really solid player. Does so many things right. Um, 
And then from there, I mean, I think Horford's so really good uh, as a role player. They haven't even had uh, Robert Williams play a game, so it's kind of scary to think about how much their defense will improve when he comes back. And that's probably a big reason why uh, it hasn't been as good as it was last year, but that that's okay, like I said. So um, ultimately, the Celtics have proven me wrong, <laughs> um, and they've proven that they should be at least one of the favorites. I mean... I think Milwaukee has to seriously be considered as well. They both have seven losses, so they're pretty much at a virtual tie atop the East and atop the entire NBA at this point. I think I still personally might lean uh, Milwaukee if I had to, but that is mostly out of respect for Giannis and the fact that uh, they didn't have Middleton in the playoffs last year, and it still not only went to a Game 7, but Milwaukee had a chance to close out the series at home in Game 6. And it took probably the best game of Tatum's career to prevent uh, <laughs> the Bucks from doing that. So, um, But that should be a really phenomenal series that I know everybody wants to see. Hopefully we do get to see that. And I think Boston is right there. I don't... I. I from what we've seen from them, they have every right to be considered the favorite. I just personally uh, like Milwaukee, but I wouldn't argue it at all with anybody. And I think that uh, Boston would beat anybody in a series right now other than Milwaukee. I feel certain about that, um, at least as they're playing right now. Like I said, I'm sure there will be some re regression. Um, and there's a lot of other good teams that just kind of haven't uh, figured it out quite yet. They're still just kind of understanding what their the team is like i know we're about like the one-third mark but just like the warriors have been underwhelming the mavericks a few other teams that um sixers the heat so who knows they might turn it around and it might uh, get a little bit more competitive but as of right now i apologize to the celtics for my preseason um negativity and uh they have certainly earned my respect after uh <laughs> putting the Game 7 style beat down on the Phoenix Suns last week. Um, and then also just all their play the whole season. It's not just one game. Um, and Tatum deserves to be the MVP. And uh, if things continue, I think he will uh, get that uh, honor. I'm just going to do some quick hitters on uh, teams around the league. The Lakers, after starting 2-10, and 10, are... Nine and six in their last 15 games. So they've looked a lot better. Anthony Davis is playing at an MVP level. LeBron is still extremely good. Um, obviously past his prime, but he's he's been great. Lonnie Walker has been a nice spark for them. Uh, Austin Reeves has been good. Russ has been phenomenal in his six-man role. Um, but I'm a little worried that their 2-10 start is going to put them a little bit too much in a hole. I think they were just needed to figure out what kind of team they were going to be in. They really have now. So I, I could see them making a run in the plan, um, but I think they're just going to be a little in too much of a hole to be deep into the playoffs. Uh, but I certainly think they could get there, and they're going to be a tough out no matter which team they play just because they do have two top 10 players in the league, and they're the only team that can say that right now. So Also, the Warriors um, lost again. To the Pacers, Steph got hurt. Um, I don't know how serious it is, but they're now below 500. They've been really uh, just inconsistent. I mean, they looked great 
against the Celtics. Then they play the Bucks. They lose that game and then lose again to the Pacers. They are their road home splits are absurd. Twelve and two at home, two and thirteen on the road. Two and thirteen on the road is just ridiculous. So I, I'm. I've said in the past that I'm a little concerned about them. I'm still a little concerned. I haven't seen anything that would alleviate my concerns. They're currently the 10 seed in the Western Conference. Um, so we'll see. I think they'll get together in some capacity. I think they'll be a top six seed. But they they got to start somewhere. They got to get there. Uh, they haven't shown much so far this year. Uh, other than Steph playing great, the rest of the team's been underwhelming. Dallas is a little bit in the same boat. Obviously, they're not coming off a championship. Uh, so I'm not sure they get as much benefit of the doubt. I think that they're in a similar situation to the Suns, just in that they've got this one great player with a bunch of role players. I think the Suns have better role players than Dallas does, but I think Luka's better than Booker. So it's a little, it's similar, but not quite um, exactly the same. But uh, they've done an awful job getting talent around him. I'm not going to lie. The, the best players he's ever played with are... Jalen Brunson, Christian Wood, Spencer Dinwiddie, Harrison Barnes. I mean, I it's Porzingis. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. He's never really he's never played with a top fifty player, um, and that's just not good enough. You can't have one top fifty guy. I don't care how good the guy is. I'm sure they'll make the playoffs again. They will be a tough out because Luca is that good, but that they got to get somebody else, man, similar to the Suns. They can't keep running it back with this subpar supporting cast and expect to actually win a championship. Um, so we'll see. But um, Memphis has been churning along a little bit. I like what I've seen out of them. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. is back. He's been playing well. Um, even with Bain out there, 18-9, and nine, um, tied for first in the West. I think they could be a, a sneaky contender too. I wouldn't be shocked uh, if they were even in the finals, if everything broke their way, similar to I said with the Pelicans. I think Jaw's got to be great. I think Bain's got to continue his play. I think Jaron Jackson Jr. has to be a little bit more consistent on the offensive end um, like he has been this year. Um, and then they've got to have uh, some role guys step up a little bit. I don't love their depth and their bench, but um, they've got pieces to add some guys if they absolutely need to. Uh, Brooklyn has won uh, seven of their last eight, I believe, though. I will say it's been a very easy schedule. Um, if you look at it, I think they've only beaten um, one. Um, sorry, I think they've won eight of their last ten. But even in that sample, they've beaten one team that's uh, above 500, and that's the Blazers, and Damian Lillard did not play in that game. So they basically haven't beaten a single uh, good team. In that stretch, I don't think it means nothing. Their defense has been much improved and very impressive, but I don't want to get ahead of myself just because they've had some uh, an easy stretch. I, I'm looking forward to seeing them playing some of the better teams, um, and I'm still just worried Durant is going to break down at some point like he has the last two seasons. But I do think that they're semi-contenders. I think they could win a playoff series. I think they could be a top-four seed. I think they could, like, absolute best-case somehow upset Milwaukee or Boston, but I don't think they could upset Milwaukee and Boston. So I don't think they're finals contenders, but um, they're, you never know when you've got that much talent on the team. Um, the Pacers have been really fun. I love Ben Matherin uh, during the draft process. I picked him uh, to be an all-star. I'm still feeling really good about that. Ty Tyrese Halliburton has uh, been phenomenal for them. Um, 
looking like a point god 2.0 that's going to be a, end up being a great trade for them and their backcourt is pretty much set moving forward uh would definitely be looking forward to the future if i was a pacers fan uh the heat still kind of mixed feelings on them um i still think they'll get into the playoffs i think that they'll be a tough out jimmy butler is always a factor there uh, but the role guys haven't been very good um Lowry's still declining they just they need some more talent they, they're a little pressed after the top guys um, to find some there a lot of relying on a lot of undrafted unproven guys the hawks look like kind of a mess um <laughs> i i don't know what's going on with them the whole trace trace situation is tough it's just weird not even tough like i don't even know what's going on with that uh, but you got to build around him i mean you have no other choice you give up all these picks for murray i'm not sure it's going to work they're probably going to be in just exactly where they were last year, losing first round in the playoffs to a team that's clearly better than them. Um, so I, they got to make some moves. They got some pieces they can move, but they don't have a ton of flexibility because they don't have the picks, and um, they really can't move either of the top two guys right now. So Toronto's been underwhelming. Fred VanVleet has been extremely disappointing. I know he made the all-star t- team last year, but uh, just not loving what I'm seeing uh, from him thus far, and they really have no other guard depth. So... Um, They've had some guys being injured, but Scotty Barnes has just kind of been underwhelming, not quite as good as he was last year, which is kind of weird, but um, I'm not out on him by any means, but we'll see. Chicago, total mess. They need to trade everybody. I don't know what they're doing. Uh, lost again to the Knicks um, in overtime, and they just continue to look bad. They're 11-16. and 16. Um, They're not even in the play-in currently, if the season were to end today. Um, Levine's been very underwhelming. Uh, Vucevic just isn't isn't a good player anymore, to be honest with you. And then DeRozan's been good, but that's about it. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure they at the very least need to trade Caruso. But I, if I were them, I I would do whatever I can to move Vucevic and then even try to um, get DeRozan out of town. Probably hold on to Levine just because he's younger and got the contract though. Um, Clippers have started to look good. Kawhi had his best game of the season versus the Celtics really the best player on the court for that game. Uh, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> they've got a back-to-back this week. I, I doubt Kawhi's going to play both, but maybe he will. I don't know. They might surprise us. But we'll see. They are starting to look a little bit better. They've won two in a row. Uh, still at the seven hole right now at 16 and 13, but I'd like to see them uh, look, just be a little bit more consistent, not only from uh, wins and loss perspective, but from a... <laughs> just like who they put out there every night. It's going to be tough if you've got a different lineup every night. Uh, and then I'm going to wrap up here with Utah. They are still above 516-14. They're at the 8th eight, eight seed, but they're 4-6 and six in their last 10. They've definitely not been as good. I think they started 10-3, and three, so they're 6-11 and 11 in their last 17 games. I anticipate that trend to uh, continue. I think they're going to fall out of the playoffs, probably out of the play-in. And they're probably going to start to look to trade some guys like I, I think they should. Um, but they've still been a really nice story. At the very least, they've had their guys drive their trade value up, which is a great look for them And as they look to get more assets uh, and maybe even get into the Wembenyama sweepstakes. That's going to do for today. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Um, we've got the holidays coming up, so I'll probably record again after uh, once we get into the new year. Um, that'll be there. Might be some trades. The December fifteenth is the deadline where 
some new players can be traded and then January 15th there's even some more players that can be traded so definitely we'll address anything um, that happens uh, on the trade market as well as just see where some of the teams are at I know as we've touched there's some teams expected to be good that haven't been as good some teams that were not supposed to be that good that have been really good and so just seeing if those teams either regress uh, either direction uh, and just as we reach the midpoint um, we'll see where uh, teams are at and then as we head towards the all-star break might do some all-star picks as well so thanks again for listening and i will chat with you next time Thank you.